Hey, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. On the mountain, in the valley, in the crowded streets, or the empty desert, in our hope, and in our waiting, we are never alone. God is with us. Well, good morning, Joy. At first, good to see you this morning. Uh, just a quick update before we begin. Some of you know that we are in the middle of a transition, and um, I meant to do it last week, and I totally forgot to do it last week. Just a massive brain fart. I'm sorry. I don't mean to fart in church, but it happens. Um, so I, I, I meant to tell you last week that for some of you who weren't here, um, our church recently voted to um, sell this property and to buy uh, our new property that we're looking at um, in downtown Joliet. Well, I shouldn't say downtown, it's, but it's in the center of Joliet, which we're looking forward to. Uh, we're in the process of working all that out with the lawyers and everything else. A lot of details I don't want to share with you because it'll give you a headache. In fact, I still have one from the weekend. Uh, anyway, uh, but we just want to let you know we are in transition. We are working on it. We're looking forward to it. And as we receive more details and we find out more, we will continue to keep uh, sharing that information with you. And so we're excited that you're here this morning. This is a great day. This is a good time. And I know many of you know that we are uh, moving into what we call here in the church the Advent season. And I know some of you are like, Advent, is that like a Jewish holiday? No, it's not a Jewish holiday. Some of you are saying, is that an ad for somebody who needs to unload all of their problems? No, it's not an Advent and some of you are like, is that short for what you do when you put a, in, something into your calendar? No, it's not an ad event. I, terrible jokes this morning. Wow, it's really lame. We're not off to a good start, are we? Thank you, I'll get one applause. Uh, you know, just a... Just a little humor to get started this morning, but we are starting this series called God With Us. When our staff got together, we started planning this series uh, a while back, four, five, six months ago, and when we were thinking about Christmas and we were thinking about where we were headed, we were thinking, this is a great, great theme for where we are in life. This is a great idea that we need to work through and work with, especially for many of you, because Christmas, we know, for some of you, is a difficult time. Right, if you could go back through, and, and especially this, this time of year, you begin to think about maybe the person that you lost recently. From some of you, you're reminded of relationships that were broken. Some of you are reminded of relationships that continue to be broken. And some of you realize that in the Christmas season, even though there are a lot of people around you, and even though you're busy, the moment you have a time to sit down and kind of relax is the time that you begin to think that you're all alone. And so we thought this is a great time to discuss this idea of God with us. And I love, I love, I love this because often we'll say God is with us. And this is so important because we focus on the God and we focus on the with us. But if you go back to grammar school, you remember this. Is, is a what kind of verb? A what? State of being. 
And this is really what I want you to know as we go through, through this series, that God's state of being is not conditioned upon your circumstance. That God's state of being with you is not conditioned upon your circumstance. That's kind of the theme that we want to work through this entire series. And so next week, we're going to talk about the wilderness. Some of you have been in the wilderness. We're going to talk about the storm, and we're going to end up on Christmas, uh, Christmas Sunday. We're going to talk about the story. But today, today, we're going to talk about something that I think many of us, many of us struggle with, and we feel like we're in, and that is the valley. So welcome to the valley this morning. Would you pray for this time as we continue to, to learn and to grow in God's word? Lord, we do give thanks for these next few moments. We pray that your words would be here, that you would speak through me, and that we would begin to have insights and thoughts about your scripture and your words that perhaps may be new to us, insightful to us, but most of all, to encourage us and to move us to live the life you created us to live. And it's in Jesus' name we pray those things. Amen. Well, I want to start with a question this morning. How many of you, how would you describe, let's, let's just start here. How would you describe the perfect life? If you could live any life that you could possibly live, if you could do anything that you wanted to do, what life would you live? In fact, when I'm not doing my pastor thing, I'm dreaming of what it would be like not to be a pastor. Um, I dream about that often. And here's what I think uh, I would like to do. If I could have the perfect life, there is this nice little chocolate candy shop, coffee shop in my hometown called Winans. And uh, no, they don't sell wine there, but you know, they just sell really great coffee and really great chocolates. And uh, I love them to death. And if, if you eat a lot of chocolates, well, you'll just, you'll, they'll die. So, but anyway, New point, not a big point. Anyway, I love Winans. I've always wanted to own my own Winans store. In fact, for $20,000, you can own your own franchise. Isn't that fantastic? And so I would love to have my own shop, and I would take it to the mountains because there's no Winans in the mountains. And I would love where I could serve coffee every day, you know, hear people's stories, ask how they're doing, just serve coffee to them, and then leave, go pick up my kids and wife after school and go snowboarding, Love snowboarding, do some snowboarding, do some hiking, live in the mountains, have a nice cabin. I'd love to have a cabin in the mountains with a cracker barrel fireplace. Come on, you know how big those things are, right? It takes up an entire wall. I'd love to have just a wall of a fireplace. If That would be my dream. That would be the perfect life for me. So I wonder, what would be the perfect life for you? Some of you would say, man, I'd love to have a vacation home next to the beach where every day I could walk out, sit in the sand, sip some coffee, and watch the sunrise. Or if you're on the West Coast, you could watch the sunset. Some of you would say, you know, I think I would love, I would quit my job. I would just quit my job. My dream is to quit my job and do nothing for the rest of my life. Some of you would say, you know what my dream, my dream would be, my perfect life would be that I would never have to go to the doctor anymore. Like, if I could just get rid of all the doctor's visits, if I didn't have to see the white coat anymore, life would be perfect for me. If you're a student, you would say, if I could graduate without taking another test, life would be perfect. And here's what we know, and here's what we know to be true. If you were handed the life of your dreams, if you were given the life that you dreamed of your entire life, if it was the perfect life that you could possibly dream of, you would still find its imperfections. Right? We know that the grass is not always greener on the other side. We know that even if we were given the greenest pasture ever, we would still find a dead patch or grubs somewhere tearing up our yard, right? 
And we know, that, we know that's true for life, but my, my question is this. Why do we not understand that when it comes to our faith? See, when, when we, we decide to follow Jesus, or when we decide to come to church, or when we decide to get in small groups, when we start doing this whole journeying thing with Jesus, so many of us are under the assumption, we are under the assumption that when I follow, life will be perfect. And you're saying, Come on, dude, I know that that's not true. Well, if you know it's not true, then you should come sit in my office and listen to the amount of people who will come into me and they will say, Pastor, I've been going to church for this long. I've been listening to God for this long. I've been following God for this long. But it seems to me, seems to me like life is not going right. Seems to me like I'm doing all the right things, but everything keeps going wrong. I don't understand it. Right When they come into my office and they think they've been following for a long time, it's like, well, God was just supposed to get rid of all my debt. He was supposed to get rid of all my addictions. Like, as soon as I said yes, suddenly I wouldn't be addicted anymore. All those broken relationships or abusive relationships that I was in, those would just magically be gone. They would just disappear. They would be nowhere to be found ever again. And we get under this assumption that when we come to faith, everything is going to be made perfect. And when it's not we begin to question whether God is with us. And here is what I find, and here's what breaks my heart so often, is that when you find yourself in that situation, when you find that everything doesn't go the way you dreamed it would go, typically and often, people will just walk away. That when it comes to their faith, not aligning the way I thought it would. When it comes to their life, not playing out they, like they thought it would. When it come, you know, comes to following God, at the end of the day, they thought, this is too much. I don't know where God is. He's nowhere to be found. It's not going the way I anticipated. God is not with me. In fact, I'm just going to be done with God because she surely doesn't exist. And my guess is if I could enter some of your stories this morning, if you could sit down and you could talk with me, you would say, hey, listen, this is the question that I'm wrestling with. Is God with me? Is God really with us? And so today I want to look at a song. I love it. I love a song. Uh, there's a great rapper named David. And if you don't know who David is, um, my guess is if you've heard of him, if you're not familiar with the Bible, there's a great writer named David. And, and um, if you're not familiar, again, you're not familiar. He... Um, he was this guy, if you've ever heard like at a sporting event when somebody's like the underdog, you'll hear somebody say it's like David and Goliath, right? Well, that's the David who writes this very song that we're about to look at. And David was the underdog in life. In fact, he was a shepherd and he had the most imperfect life you could ever imagine. He was in the fields shepherding sheep, which very dirty, nasty job. Shepherds were not known for their cleanliness. He was the runt of the litter, so nobody expected anything great from this guy. And you know the story. Some of you know the story. He becomes this great leader over a nation. People look to him. They find faith in him. They trust him. And he royally, no pun intended, screws things up. He just totally makes a mess of life. And when he does, there are people who gather around him and they begin to speak into his life and he doesn't like the advice they give and so he feels sort of lonely. And there are times where people just speak out against David. There are enemies that he faces every day and he feels like, and it comes up over and over and over and over again in the songs that he writes. It's like, God, where are you? 
In fact, he often asks, when are you going to come to my rescue? When are you going to help me? You keep saying that you're God. You keep saying that you're faithful, but yet you randomly, if ever, are showing up when I need you the most. And we find that David over and over and over goes through some of the deepest valleys he's ever experienced in life. And out of that comes this song that many of you have heard before, but we're going to take a different spin on it. So here's what he says. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, you know this, and I lack nothing. This is like Santa Claus on steroids. You will have everything that you will ever dreamed of, right? This is the perfect life. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He refreshes my soul. He continues. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. Oh, man, I'm like dreaming now of just this perfect. He leads me beside the still waters, and he refreshes my soul. And then he continues. He guides me along the what? The right paths. Now, when you hear this psalm, when you hear the beginning of this psalm, when I hear it, it reminds me of experience I had recently with my father-in-law. Over Thanksgiving, my father-in-law invited me to go to his gym with him to work out. And I thought, well, that'd be fun. At my gym, you just get in and you get out. You do your thing. There's nothing special there. It's $14 a month. You go in, you get out. That's it. Well, at his gym, it is like the Taj Mahal of gyms. In fact, when you walk in, there's this giant greeter's desk with like 15 people, totally exaggerated, 15 people. You walk by them, you go down. They have this giant, it looks like a refrigerator, but it's actually a warmer, and it warms like 100 towels. You know, hundreds of towels. You can just go up, and you could take as many hot towels as you'd like. So you take your towels, you go inside, and when you walk in, when you walk into the locker room, it's amazing. They give you a card I can't even believe it, that you stick into the locker that will lock your locker. At my gym, it says, not responsible for stolen items. You know what I'm saying? You walk in, they don't provide a lock, the lockers don't lock, and you know what? You just leave your stuff in there, hopefully nobody will take it. But at this gym, they give you a card that locks your locker. And not only that, when you walk in, they have couches, and they have seats, and they have big screen TVs. If you want to get lost, or you just want to escape that, your loved one that you just can't stand anymore, go there and hang out for hours. Nobody will find you. In fact, they have these sinks lined up, all these sinks lined up, and in front of them are razors, there's soap, there's aftershave, there's cologne. I mean, I did find, oddly enough, a thing for needles. I don't know what that was for, but anyway... (laughs) It's a little weird. Maybe, I don't know. We'll not go there. Anyway, but they have everything that you could possibly dream of. You go out, their treadmills have TVs, and those TVs have TVs. If that tra- TV in front of you is not good enough, you have an array of TVs that you can choose from. All the weightlifting machines you could choose from, CrossFit, basketball, you name it, it is there. And the best part is, in the back of the locker room, when you go back in the back, they have a steam room. I don't know how anybody enjoys that experience. It's like you're suffocating, like somebody has put a mask over you and thrown a bunch of hot water on you. I don't know why people enjoy it, but they do. They have a steam room, they have a sauna where you can go and detoxify, and they have a hot tub that you can soak in. It is like the dream, it really is, when you walk in. And so he invited me, and I said, yeah, let's go, but let's drive separately, because he said, we're going to do the whole thing. Did you bring your swimsuit? No, I did not, and I don't want to be there all day. And so, I kid you not, I worked out... Went and got Starbucks, sat in line for 20 minutes, came home, took a shower, hung out with my kids, was reading them a book before dinner. Three and a half hours later, my father-in-law comes in, and he looks like a million dollars. 
worked out, you know, he's gone through the steam room, the sauna, he's gone through all that, he's taken a shower, he's used the shaving products, he's used the hair load, everything that they offer and they provide, he's used. He looks like he has gone through a spa and it is a perfect, I mean, I'm telling you, this is the perfect, it is a dream when you walk in there. And I think this is exactly the picture that David gives us at the beginning is this idea of you are walking in to God's spa. I mean, think about it. You will lack nothing. You can have all the needles. You can have all the lotion. You can have all the hair product. You can have anything that you want. You're walking. You're laying down. You're resting. You know, you're, you're, you're refreshing yourself. I mean, this is like the perfect life that we would all dream about. This is what David, the picture he's giving us, and what we anticipate and what we hear and the imagery that he gives us is it's about safety. It's about security. It's about provision. It's about rest. And this is where we all say amen. And this is what we love about faith because I think so many of us tend to think that God is present the most when we have the most. Like when we have the house, when we have the car, when we have the iPads for all the children and the dog. I mean, like when we have everything we need, when there's enough money to go around, when there's food on the table, at the end of the day, when there's a bunch of provision, we feel safe and secure, and we think God is blessing us. And you know what? He may be, but that's exactly it. We have made this equation that faith is synonymous with safe. That so often we assume God's presence is with us when we feel the safest. Or when we have an abundance. And I just want to pose this question. I could be wrong. Hard to believe pastors could be wrong. <laughs> I probably am wrong. But I wonder, I wonder if Psalm 23, the beginning of Psalm 23, is actually the end. That the picture that David gives us is not where we start in our faith. It is where we end in our relationship and it's not where we just end but it is the experience that we have with God and I'm just wondering I'm just wondering because when you go to a spa you go because you've had a stressful day right you go to the spa because you've had stressful situations your job is stressful your life is stressful your kids are driving you crazy you go get a back massage or you go and you sit in a hot tub because there has been an amount of stress on your life that you need to relieve and I'm just wondering if that's the picture David gives us. Because in order to get there, we have to go through something else. And here's what I think. I think that our greatest understanding of God will come through insecurities. It comes through unknowing. It comes through some of the most difficult valleys of your life. And here's why. Here's what he says. He guides me along the right paths. And then he gives this caveat. And we don't really read this very often. He guides me along the right paths. Now say it with me. For his name's sake. For whose name? Wait a minute. I, I thought this whole faith that you're talking about, waters and everything I can have and refreshing of the soul, it's all about me. Right paths are going to college. It's the right path to that someone else. It's the right path to savings and retirement. It's the right path to having everything that I've ever wanted and dreamed of. When we talk about right paths, we dream of a better life. 
But then he has this caveat of, for his namesake. For Christ's sake. Hey, this is the only time I'm going to say this, but turn to your partner and say, for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. It's not for your sake. It's not for the benefit of you. He leads you down the right paths for his name and his name's sake and for Christ's sake. And whenever we look at the life of Jesus, we realize that sometimes the right path seems so wrong. I'm sure when he was heading the cross, he was thinking, yeah, this is awesome. Can't wait to get there. Sometimes the right path seems so wrong. Sorry, I'm, I'm a little lost here this morning. And then he continues. We'll, we'll go with it. He says, he guides me along the right paths. And here's what we typically do with the passage. Thanks, by the way, Ron. Here's what we typically do, right? The passage ends at right paths for his name's sake. We put a period. And then we say, even though I walk through the darkest valley, and then we continue. But I think when David wrote this, he wanted to connect this idea of right paths with this very sentence that he says next. And so I read it this way when I was reading it. He says, he guides me along the right paths for his namesake, even though, even though it may not feel right, it doesn't look right, it doesn't seem right, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'm still on the right path. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'm still on the right path. And I get it. The valleys are some of the worst places that you can ever go to. Right? I get it. And when you walk into the valley, you don't sense God because you can't see him leading you. Notice it says the darkest valley. The reason why we don't sense God is because we can't see him in front of us. Sometimes the valleys are some of the most painful experiences you ever go through. And a valley is described as a geological depression, but so many of us know that that is a physical experience. It is a despairing experience in life. In fact, I would just venture to say that a good majority of us here struggle at some point on some level with depression, anxiety, and mental issues. In fact, what I'm going to share with you, I've not really shared with a lot of people but when it came to, you all remember the miracle series that we did in the fall? You remember this? It was a fun series. I learned a lot about God, about myself, about miracles and everything else. But what I hadn't anticipated is when I was writing those messages. Little did I know that I was about ready to go through the valley. You see, I would just, I would, I would say that it was a spiritual battle. Medical professionals probably say you are depressed. You've been here, Right? You know when you sleep for seven hours and you wake up in the morning and you're exhausted? Like, what did I just do for the last seven hours? You've been here before where you, you lay in bed after you just got up and you're thinking about how you don't want to walk into the day because of how painful it's going to be and all the people that you're going to have to see. You, you've been through this experience where all of a sudden everything that you love in life, your job, your kids, your friends, everything that you love around you suddenly becomes an annoyance and a pain. You, you've had these days where you've looked out the window and you've seen the sun, and even though it's sunny and bright, it feels about as gray as it could possibly get. 
In fact, maybe you've gone on a walk thinking, hopefully the sun will just give me some warmth. And even as you're walking down the path, it feels like it's so cold. And what makes it worse is it's not just that physical feeling of like this weighty heaviness upon us, but then it's, we get into this, this it's like a, 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 I call it a ball pin hammer kind of tapping on your head. It's not a big heavy hammer or a sledgehammer, but it's like somebody just, and the voices start coming, right? You're not good enough. You're not a great mom. You're not a great dad. You're terrible at your job. You'll never be a good pastor. You'll never make it. You've been working so hard for all this, and you know, it's really for nothing. And I'll be honest, I got to this, really it was kind of scary, like to this place where I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to take anyone's phone calls. I didn't want to see anyone. I didn't want to have to deal with another problem. I didn't want to talk about another issue. As far as I'm concerned, in fact, my mantra in the fall was whatever. Which, by the way, is the most, un- I read somewhere that is the most unintelligent response you can have. But that's where I was. Whatever. Whatever. And the more I went through it, the more I realized I just want to quit. In fact, it was about the, the time in the fall where I decided I almost picked up the phone and I almost called another pastor. And there were times where I sat with, sat with some of our staff members and I said, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. And I was this close this close. Some of y'all will be happy about that. I was this close to quitting and saying, you know what? Nothing will ever change. God, you brought me here. I don't know why I'm here. You're supposed to be in this, but you're nowhere to be found. And it feels like you are not with me. In fact, I'm about as lonely and lonely as lonely as it could possibly get. God is not with me. And you know what was so fun? Not going through that, because it was about three weeks, four weeks of that. But it was getting on the other side. I began to understand something about God that I'd never understood before. And if you're questioning if God is with you, and if you feel like, man, I'm just not sure, I'm just not certain about this, I'm not into this whole faith thing. I'm not really sure that God is there. Or you're struggling this season with loneliness. Or you're looking around and you're saying, nobody cares about me. Nobody's around. And you're going through depression. Here's what I want you to know. You are in a valley. And this is the most important thing. You are poised to know God more when you seemingly sense him less. See, we, want, we love the beginning of the psalm where God promises us this amazing, amazing, amazing life, and we think everything's going to be perfect. But let me just tell you this. Your greatest spiritual growth does not happen without significant struggles in your life. You will not fully appreciate the God who cares for you and loves you without a struggle. And you are positioned when you go through the valley and you might be there right now. And if you're not, you're probably about to go through one. But when you find yourself there, just let yourself know that when I get through this, I will have a greater experience with God because of it. Even though he feels like he's not with you. And I love what David says. He says this. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, say it with me now, I will fear no evil. 
for you are with me. For you are with me. I love this thought. Have you ever considered that maybe God has chosen you to go through a valley to be an example for somebody else? You know, everybody, everybody at some point, not everybody, but a good majority of people go through some sort of sickness. There are people all over the world who go through cancer. There are people all over the world who love, lose loved ones. There are people all over the world who struggle with depression, mental issues. There are people all over the world who have the same problem that you have. But maybe, just maybe, God is leading you what seems to be like the wrong path, but is actually the right path in order for others to see what it looks like when you respond with hope in life. In fact, how you respond makes all the difference. I get it says, I will fear no evil. It doesn't mean you won't be afraid of the experience. It just means you should have no fear over what you think grips you and has a hold over you. You ever met somebody in life who's gone through something tragic and terrible? And you thought that they would just give up, they would just stop and they would just quit. And then you look at them and you look up to them. In fact, you think, if I could ever have faith in life, it would be like that person. Perhaps the reason you're going through a valley is because God wants to use you in the exact same way. Because when you get through the other side, you are poised for your greatest breakthrough. And here's here's why I want you to respond with no fear, because how you respond in the valley determines the right path for other people in meeting Jesus. You remember this, it's not about your sake, it's for his name's sake. So God is taking you through something in order to point other people to him. And it's when you sense him less that he is with you the most.